I'm an anxious person, highly anxious. Yeah. And I don't live in the past much at all, but it's always worried about the future. Mm. Always, if this happens, then that could happen, then that could happen, then that could happen, and oh my gosh, everything's going to fall apart. Because here's the thing, friends. If something is bothering you and you know it's time to deal with it, talking to a pro is so incredibly helpful. It's one of the reasons we are so proud to have this podcast sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. To get started, you simply answer a couple of questions about your needs and preferences in therapy and you can schedule these sessions when it's convenient for you and you can always switch to a new therapist if you don't find the fit right away. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you would expect from in-office therapy but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash I needed that. That's betterhelp.com slash I needed that. You'll also find this link in the show notes of today's episode. Hey, what's up? It's me, Chris Powell. And before we start the podcast, I got a question for you. Do you want to start a healthy habit? Do you want to feel great for the rest of the day? And do you want to do all of that in less than three minutes? I'm on a mission to move 1 million people every single day with my nonprofit and app called Move 1 Million. It's fast, easy, fun, and you'll feel great for the rest of the day. Oh, and the best part, it's 100% free. You can find us at m1m.org or search M1M on the Google Play Store or on the App Store. And he looks right at me and he says, Matthew, you are a transitional character in your lineage. And that is why I do what I do. Hi there, my name is Matthew Blades, podcast host and motivational speaker. And I love keynoting and putting on workshops to help people understand the value of self-care. Because there are people in this room that feel broken, but you're not. There is nothing wrong with you. Just like there was nothing wrong with me. I just needed to step into my life's purpose more. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Let's do this together. Head on over to learnfrompeoplewholivedit.com. Now, let's get to today's podcast. (laughs) I'm so happy you're laughing right now. I know exactly where this is going. (laughs) So Chris Powell is the biggest 80s fan and uh for episode number nine i wanted to find an an 80s anthem to open up the show for you brother this is all for you bro this is karate kid this is epic right top gun and this is all of them in one yes welcome to the i needed that podcast my name is matthew blades (laughs) and i'm chris powell Today's show is going to be so good, man. I feel like I'm in an 80s oh, sitcom right come now. Come on, go ahead and nod your head to this one. I'm talking to all of the listeners out there. You know you're loving this as much as we are. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> the guitar, it's amazing. I don't think I'm supposed to laugh this hard before oh. doing anything. <sighs> That's a great song. Oh, just How now, are you? How as, are the, you? as the guitar came in, it made it a hundred times better. Oh, yeah. How are you, man? I'm great, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great, dude. I am so awesome. Welcome to episode number nine of the I Needed That podcast. We are going to get into some incredible stuff on today's show, including a new sex survey that's out. It talks about the average American, how much they're doing it. It's interesting to get that number. Yeah, it's going to be a little depressing for me, too. It's been been a dry year. Don't get me wrong. I thought about that. Um, We also, on today's podcast, have what experts are saying is the number one relationship hack. In fact, Marriage counselors sit down with people all the time, and they determine that if you do this one thing, 
you're more likely to succeed in your relationship. Isn't that cool? Yeah. We were talking about this just before the show, and my mind is blown, actually. It's really, really interesting, and I know you guys are going to want to hear this, too. Okay, so that's coming up, plus you're going to get into a master class today on what? Yeah, we're talking stress eating. I think it's it's applicable for everybody. If you're a human, chances are you've dealt with some emotions through food, yeah. and it's, we're, we're wired for it. So let's talk about it. Before we get into today's episode, and uh, I want to start with but is a dream killer. Mm. We're going to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, The interwebs and all of social media absolutely buzzing after last week's episode. And if maybe people remember, we were playing the Foo Fighters, My Hero. We were doing Name That Tune. And you got into this commentary about your dad. You know, growing up, it it was my dad. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about him? But they always told me when I was young, they're like, you're special. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I can't wait to see where you are in 10 years. And in 20 years, you're going to do great things. And I believed them. And because they instilled that in me, I literally would go full sail into every opportunity because I was special. It got me up every time. When he would tell me that, man, he would hold me by my shoulders and look me in my yeah, eyes. Buddy. And, and he was so present with me and he would tell me that over and over again. And it was just like, man, that's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, how many people, I hope that the light bulb just go on for the power of letting your kid know that they can do anything. If there's anything that anyone listening right now gets from this, if, if you are a parent, yeah, that's probably one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is belief in, in themselves. But it's going to come from you believing in them first. Beautiful moment, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank it you is. for giving us that. Oh, th- you know, thank you for, for bringing that whole topic to the forefront. And, you know, it all, it all stemmed from just listening to, that, to my hero. And uh, it brought so many amazing memories back. And, and it's something I'm really, obviously, it's something I apply with my kids. And, again, if there's anything... I can I can just get across to the parents out there. Please give them that gift. Yeah, it's I so could powerful. tell you, I, I could feel it. I could literally feel it. I said, "Oh my God!" After this moment, a mom or a dad who's listening to our podcast, they're going to run to their children. They're going to hold them by their shoulders, and they're going to look them in the eye, and they're going to say, "You can do anything." Yes. And so I please. thought that was just tremendous, oh, man. Thank so, anyways, you. thank you. Good stuff. Let's, All right. Let's jump into today's podcast. Yeah, let's right. go, man. Would you rather name that tune, the sex survey, all that stuff is going to come up today. But first, let's uh, let's get into this idea of but is a dream killer. Yeah. Where did this come from? So the, the whole concept of, of but is dream. Well, it's like, look, hey, whenever you're going to, um, you know, obviously say, say you, you state something. Okay. But mm. then it immediately it, it says, okay, well, there's, a, there's another stipulation to this. There's another rule around this. Or you know what? Oh, you did a great job. But, and especially coming from a coach's standpoint, this is something that, that we deal with a lot. You know, and, and there's a lot, of, um, a lot of coaching in the past. And, and while the, there are still a lot of coaches out there that do this, but like coaching in the past, it was like, oh, good job. You know, so you always want to start with something positive. Sure. But... Instead, you need to do this. And, at the, and psychologically, that can really mess people up because it says it no longer. The moment you say but, people aren't thinking about the positive anymore. It All of a sudden, it immediately brings a negative into the equation when it comes to communication because it's, it's all about communication, right? And we're so used to it. We almost expect it, right? Like you'll be in a conversation with somebody and they will literally look at you and they'll go, but. Exactly. Like people can feel it coming. Yep. yep. And the moment you say that. 
there is nothing about the positive that you even led off with. If you're a decent coach, you know, you're always going to leave with, with lead with the positive, but this, I just said, but <laughs> however, <laughs> but however, they're all the same. The, the moment you throw it in there again, any connotation with the positive is gone and the individual only focuses on that negative. And it's just, it's something that it's, it's ingrained in us. So right? what's, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you so, training? What's your training telling you? So it was, it's funny that we we're actually talking about this today because my friend who actually was my very first business partner. And, um, while I found my, my future in training and on in television, et cetera, he ended up going into the Navy and he became a Navy SEAL and he's still active duty, 14 years, SEAL team, SEAL, SEAL team eight. And we wow. literally had this conversation. We got to have this dude on. Oh, he's, he's, he's an intense guy. I and imagine. he's great. And talk about a lot of life experience. And, um, and by the way, like a lot of this stuff that they do, I mean, it's fascinating, but it's really, but it's, <laughs> it's all about, it's okay. You're not coaching me right, right now. Exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's about team building. It's about psychology. The, the, the things that they do is fascinating. Um, he is all about building leaders and this is what they do in, in the seals. Like they build teams, they build leaders. They cannot function without, I mean, there is no individual there. It's as team oriented as you could possibly imagine. And so in, when he is working with these guys, cause he's building a team of 24 guys right now, you know, they, they're going to deploy next year. And so they got a lot going on. And anytime he's working with these guys, he says, again, when I'm coaching them, cause he coaches them. He's like, I will come out of the gates with a positive and I'll never use the word, but instead you switch the word, but with now, and it keeps the entire thing positive. You did a great job when you entered that building. Now, this time, what I want you to do is as you enter, you're going to go left, then right. Or I'm, I'm just, I pull love this, out this man, but you, you see, you can feel the difference. Can't you? And, and replace, but with now try this. I mean, not just you, but everyone, everyone listening Try for a while replacing the word but with the word now, and it changes the whole feeling. That I'm just taking a note, man. I want to write this down. I love this. It, ch- it changes the conversation. Play around with all kinds of situations in your mind right now, and I'm sure you guys probably are as you're listening, but as, as you come out of the gates, it's like, y'all, again, you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. You start with the positive and, then, and, and talk about whatever, the, whatever it is that they did well. Now, here's what I want you to do moving forward, because when you say, but it takes you back to an error in the past. Whereas when you say now there is no past, because guess what? What you did in the now. past doesn't make any difference well, and, anymore. And the word is literally now. Yeah. Now here's what I want you to do. So instead of doing this, do that. And sure enough, wow, man. Let, let me tell you what that does with communication also, because now this person is no longer getting negative feedback from you. And so they're not going to close off. They remain wide open to suggestion and the feeling of whatever information that you're giving them to improve it feels, and it is coming from a place of love now and improvement and support and suggestion in the most wonderful way. I yes. love that. Look at this, man. We're eight minutes into this podcast and already people are getting life nuggets. Oh, it, it's great stuff. I mean, and it, you take it up the, the ladder to look at the people that are actually implementing this is they're the greatest warriors on earth. I mean, yeah. and, and we're talking SEAL teams. They're implementing this kind of psychology because they realize if you use the word, but these, these, dudes that are just like the toughest dudes of all dudes, <laughs> right? They'll close off. And it's just like, man, if they close off, imagine what that's going to do to a six-year-old kid or a, a colleague or a coworker. Or any of us. Man, man, it's all, we're all Because we can all agree the SEAL 
the SEAL team probably has the next level of mental training we have not experienced. For sure. Yeah. And when you tell these guys, but all of a sudden they get that same negative connotation and they close off. How cool. So it's like, man, hey, we're again, we're all human. If we can start to implement this stuff into our practices, watch your levels of communication and connection with others go through the roof. Replace but with now. With now. All right. Let's have a little fun. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, I, I saw this online yesterday and I was like, this is so funny to me. And maybe it's more funny to me because of my uh, history as a radio personality. But the, the, the question of the, the title of the article was, what did you have to say for work? And now we've all had part-time <laughs> jobs coming oh, up where we yes. had to answer the phone a certain way. Or like I was on a, I was on radio stations across the America, right? And right. there would be these things called positioning statements, and you had to open up every single radio break with the positioning statement. Yes. And so there were all these things that you were required to say before you could even spit out what you wanted to say. And that's old school radio. It's not so much true I- anymore. But did you have a job coming up where you had a spiel? I, you know, I did, and it's super boring, but I want to hear you use yours first. All right, so do mine. <laughs> my, my absolute favorite, my absolute favorite was I was on a radio station in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and we literally had the longest positioning statement I have ever used in my entire 27 years of radio. And sometimes if you had a short intro on your song, it's all that you would be able to say. Right. But every time a song would start, you know, I'll just like pick, pick a song, I'd be like, 104.7 KCLD giving you a better music mix and always at least 10 songs in a row every hour. Hi, I'm Magic Matt. <laughs> oh, wow. Every Bro, single time. You just blew my mind. That's You've done that so many times. It's totally reflexive. Like That just, that just flows. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's why I think I loved that uh, so much. What was so, yours? Dude, mine was so boring. Green Meadows, <laughs> of course, I messed it up right off the bat. Green Meadows Athletic Club. This is Chris. How can I help you? <laughs> You're right. It <laughs> that's, is that's about it. Green Meadows Athletic Club. There you go. I was, I was the lifeguard. We want to hear about yours. We want to hear about the thing you had to say when you worked a, some part-time job, or maybe it's even a current position that you have right now where you have to answer the phone a certain way. I do remember working for Musicland back in the day. And, it, and I'm going to date myself like crazy, but this was back in the day when cassette singles and CD singles and stuff were a really big deal. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> I remember some of these big hip-hop artists were coming out, and we would have to answer the phone like, you know, hey, uh, thanks for calling Musicland in Brookdale Center. I'm Matthew, where you can pre-order Redman's blah, blah, blah right now for 99 cents. Oh, can I help yes, you? Yes, yes. And you have to have this wow. big spiel. And I know video companies, Blockbuster people had to do that back in the day. Dude, see, you're so good with your words, though. I stumble over my words on a regular basis. Yeah. And, you know, here I've actually had a history of, of stuttering as a kid, and so I've, I worked through it. But that's another story for a different day. Hey, speaking of which, so you're talking about this whole place where you're, uh, you're selling cassettes and everything. Oh, yeah, and CDs. hit it. What was your first either cassette or CD that you purchased? Like with your money? Oh, I love this question. What was your first one? I know it. 100%. The first cassette single I ever bought in my entire life was yeah. Licensed to Ill from the Beastie Boys. Oh, man. That was a good one. And the first yeah. record that I ever purchased was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Wow. That's impressive. That's awesome. Those are my one and two. You? Okay. So first record I ever bought was Top Gun. It was the <laughs> Top that's Gun. That's a good soundtrack. choice. Yeah, that's a good one. Spent my own money on that one. And then the second one was... um. Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Wow, that's, that's like way, that, that was way later. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one in between Stone Temple Pilots. 
Um, Core. Yes, yes, it was, as a matter of fact. With plush. Yep, that's exactly it. One of the greatest ever. So you didn't buy much music, though. No, I didn't. I did. Well, my... We literally had a record, like everyone else had CDs. We were still running records. And so, I mean, my mom had Whitney Houston. We had John Denver. We had, and then I went and got the Top Gun soundtrack. Yeah. And then from there, my first CD was Stone Temple Pilots. Second CD was Dr. D- Dr. Dre's The Chronic. But remember, then you had to be, was it 14 to buy it? Or did you have to be, no, you had to be 18 to buy it. Yeah. There was an age limit. Yeah. Because of the explicit lyrics. And it was, that was a big deal back then. It was huge. And it was super controversial. Did you buy that on CD then? I I did. That was, yeah, that was the second CD I ever bought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I can remember, I have these really crazy vivid memories. I was like seven, eight years old and I had a little, a little record player, like the toy record players when we were kids, excuse me. And I would be down in my, my basement and I had one record. It was Queen, Another One Bites the Dust. Dude. And I would dude. practice talking up the record like a radio personality. As a co- I'm not joking. As a kid. So, I mean, you've been, you, you manifested this a long time ago. All right. Let's switch gears just a little bit. You ready? Yeah, let's go. We came upon Americans and how much sex they're having in a uh, new sex survey that's out. Do you not want to talk about this because no, you're single right let, now? <laughs> Let's go. Is this is this a hit, man? Let's let's just dive in and and I, I almost stopped at Fascination to bought you something before I got here. I was right. thinking, man, maybe I just get this guy a little oh man. a buddy. I don't yeah, know. Right. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm good. I'm good right now. But. Um, but I was blown away by this this new sex survey to find out how much sex Americans are having. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by it. like let's let's get into the numbers globally. Globally, the average is about 103 times per year. That's about 103 more times than me. I'm, I'm bringing the average down, let me tell you that. This year. Yes. There's exactly. been years you brought the average up, okay? Fair enough. That's fair, that's fair enough You're to in say. a drought yes. right now. That's yes. allowed. <laughs> yeah, but at 103 times a year... So I guess if there's 365 days a year, it's about a, yeah, it's a third of the year you're doing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Like three times a week or so, right? Americans, just a little bit more than that, at 113 Twice. times a year. Okay. Wow. Yeah, th- it's like two to three times a week. How do you, does that it, seem, I mean, you know, okay. you were okay. married. Yes. I am yes. married. So Does that seem like a, a decent number? Okay, it, it depends on the chapter of my marriage. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. That way. Okay, how about you? Does that seem, does it sound like a yeah. realistic? Yeah, it does seem realistic. Okay. Because there's weeks where you probably do it once a week. There's weeks where yep. you don't do it at all. Sure. And then there's other weeks where you do it four days a week. A hundred percent. Right? Yep. And so you, you, you kind of just ebb and flow out of that whole thing. But I would say that that number 113, that sounds probably... That yeah. sounds right. It it makes sense to me. Yeah, like especially. I mean, all all we can go off of really is our own personal experience. I'm sure mm. everyone out there is probably applying the same to this. Of course. Thinking, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. And yeah, same. Again, it depends on the chapter that that we're in. Sometimes, hey, you have a, a newborn. Sorry, forget about it. Ain't it ain't happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really, that's such a great thing to say, man. Because it really is about the stage of your life too. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And it's like, yeah. man, stress is like through the roof at work and you're dealing with all kinds of things, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. I mean, it all depends. And or, you might need it more while you're stressed out. You, you certainly might. Or like things are going really well and you got a little bit more time on your hands and okay, then th- those numbers, I'll bring the average up a little bit. Do you think the average person out there would like to be doing it more? I think that depends on the individual. Do you? <laughs> yeah. How about, what do you think? 
I think if people were honest with themselves, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but, but my fear and just genuinely what's going through my body right now is the people who would say no might be with somebody that they don't like having sex with. That's a, I think you bring up a really solid point here. And that happens in marriages. Yeah. You know, people become comfortable. They, they lose their shape over time. They let themselves go in certain ways. People change. Things happen. Mm-hmm. This, that, the other thing. And some Let's be honest, some married couples aren't in a stage of their marriage where they really enjoy sleeping with the person that they're with. That's okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And some, sometimes there's resentment, but sometimes there's also uh, even even greater affinity for each other and love. And I mean, it, it ebbs and flows. So, I, so that's why I say I think people would like to be probably having more but they would like it to be that kind of sex that they yes. like when they first met, like how yes. wonderful it was, how intimate it was, yes. how free you were. It's the kind where afterward you say, ah, oh, say it. I needed that. There you go. I yeah. needed that. Ba-boom. That's exactly what we do here, man. So if you want to have more sex, you want to create more intimacy in your relationship, this is a great opportunity to move into this segment about the number one relationship hack that I discovered. Yes. So there's this psychologist who worked with uh, like 40,000 married couples, and he determined that there is one thing with 94% accuracy, he's able to predict their marriage will last if he sees this one thing. What do you think it is? Well, we, we did speak about this before. So I know you know, yeah, but so, before so you know, so what I'm, did you think? I'm cheating here. So I was, I was thinking about the, there, there especially because he's observing these individuals. And so I was thinking about the way that they would speak to each other. Initially, I was like, okay, like they probably want to observe the interaction on how they talk to each other. And he's probably like listening for very specific words, et cetera. But the answer is not that at all. After observing people for just 15 minutes, one of the biggest determining factors was how often a couple turned toward their partner instead of turning away. Yeah. It's body language. Yes. Which they say is about 90% of communication. So that makes sense. And I was thinking, of course, I went for the 10%, which is words, but no, it makes sense. When a couple turns towards each other, they make uh, and respond to what we call bids for connection. Mm. Bids can range from little things like trying to catch your attention by calling out your name to big things like asking for deeper needs to be met. Wow. But turning towards your partner is one of the, the the fastest ways to probably bring some closeness to the couple. Wow. I wonder how many people out there are listening right now <clears throat> are thinking, okay, how do I react to my partner body language wise? So it really, it gets a real spin. And, you know, I, I put myself back into that place. I mean, going through the chapter of my life of with marriage um, early on, I, I do know the body language between myself and my ex-wife. It was incredible. We were always, you know, glancing over each other. Lots of, you know, um, you know, little, uh, what sweet you, what nothings. You, yeah, exactly. And, and like uh, inside jokes and just constantly like little, little elbow nudges and everything. And then of course near, near the tail end of it, it was, if you put a, both of us on a couch, we were leaning arms out, crossed, arms crossed, and we were both leaning away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's so many cool things about body language that can help us determine. Uh, I just had a dude on my podcast, learn from people who lived it. And he brought up this good point. He said, next time you go to a party, watch the guys. They're all holding their drink in their arms with their arms crossed over their mm. chest. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you can see yeah, it, can't you? A- absolutely. And, and, and that just screams, I'm guarded. Yeah. I'm blocked. I do that. 
Do you? And you know what? I think to a certain extent, I am guarded. Of course you're blocked. Yeah. Of course. Right. Like, what are they going to ask me? What do they want to talk about? Right. Interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Now, now we're all analyzing ourselves. That's all right. <laughs> right now, but exactly. you know what? We, we, we really wanted to put make this stuff a part of the, what we do here. That's is, exactly it. Is because you, know, you can listen to a lot of podcasts, and we want to have a ton of fun, and we want to do that kind of stuff around here. But there's no point doing this podcast if when you walk away, you don't say, man, I needed that. Yeah. I needed that nugget. I needed to learn that. Yes. I needed to hear that. I need to experience that. That's why we show up. Yes. I understand myself a little bit more now. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Um, so let's transition into our next topic on today's podcast, uh, which is something you're going to put on a master class about, and that's stress eating. Yes. Uh, I know you got a lot that you want to say about it. And I don't know if you need your notes or, or not, no. but, uh, you have them accessible to you. And wow. why Thank did you, you want to talk about this first? And then what's the, what's kind of our, what's our motivation here? Well, gosh, you know, dude, I've, I've been living in the, the transformation world for since 2002. Uh-huh. And so I've, I've, I've been working with people for two decades now through the journey of transformation. And, um, and so many, I mean, all of the folks, that I work with, they, they deal with stress eating, but I'm going to throw a little asterisk on there as well, because everybody deals with stress eating to a certain extent, either they have, or they've had a bout with it, or this is something that it's an ongoing issue for them. And it's a, it's a human thing. We are wired to comfort ourselves, to, to obviously reach for things that will help comfort ourselves. And it has everything to do with the neurochemistry of, of what's happening when we're experiencing stress. So let's talk about this because it's like, man, the, the more of obviously that you can understand yourself and then we can apply just some real life action items to number one, be aware of it. And then also to do something about it, you know, to maybe even create an environment for success. And so you can start to number one, capture, you know, catch yourself when you might find yourself wanting to stress eat and then giving you some really good safe substitutions or alternatives so that you can do something about it in the moment. And then sure enough, when that time passes, you can be victorious over it. Like, you bet. isn't that what we all want? Really quickly, I just want to encourage everybody to go back to episode number two and listen to our interview with Dr. Holly, where she talks a lot about that. And she even gives, you both do, actually talk about a couple of things that might be good choices when you want to stress eat or when you're feeling hungry at the end of the night that are you know going to be better choices for you. So you just wanted to throw that caveat up, jump yeah, back absolutely. in. Absolutely. So yeah, so let's get into this. What is stress eating? So stress eating is, it's, it's using food to comfort any kind of, and I'm going to throw these in air quotes, negative emotions, which would be anger, fear, or disappointment, jealousy, frustration, boredom. I'm going to, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to throw boredom in here. In fact, if you, if you look up stress eating in any of the, the, the psychological reviews, et cetera, they, they, they throw boredom in there. It is considered a quote unquote negative emotion because it's like, it's, it can certainly, certainly be detrimental to a lot of people. It puts us in a bad place. And how many people they eat out of boredom. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to loop that in to all these other negative stress emotions. Um, loneliness. I mean, oh, you, huge you, depression, oh, anxiety, all of it, especially nowadays, man. Uh, this is another topic of conversation for another day, but man, the statistics of, of Americans being lonely, just humans around the world being lonely, it's skyrocketing. Yeah. And so, and we, and we see a positive correlation between that and also, um, our, our weight, we see our weight and our overall mental health, physical health, social health, all of those are going, they're going down 
And so this is like, we're trying, we're trying to do something about this here. So, right. so now that we understand, because okay, with a little information, you can make good choices. That's that, the bottom line. That's it. That's it. So look, we're, we're always encountering these emotions on a regular basis. That's part of being human is, is, is experiencing these negative, stressful emotions. However, these negative emotions, they also can start to elicit a hormonal release because mental issues are very physical as well. They do, they affect our body physiologically, right? So you know, you're dealing with something mentally, your brain often doesn't know the difference between actually it, your body experiencing it in real life, or, you know, you you might be running through a scenario in your mind. Maybe it's a a person that triggered you, or maybe it is that loneliness, or maybe it's a, you know, an an in-law or a coworker or something like that. A lot of things, man. You're home alone and your kids are, they're, they're often, you know, they're off in college and you're, you're lonely or maybe, you know, you, you're, you want companionship and you don't have it. So again, we can talk about all these negative emotions, but as we're, as we're there and you're experiencing stress, your body is going to release a, a hormone called cortisol. And a lot of us were very familiar with this. They, they call it the stress hormone. And as cortisol levels start to rise, it's very, it's a very natural thing. Cortisol is a beautiful hormone. However, what happens if we start to experience these stressful emotions on a chronic basis and cortisol levels, they, they remain elevated and they're not able to come down like they would naturally in, in just the, the normal cycle of things, um, elevated cortisol, then we, we are driven hormonally and then behaviorally because our hormones will drive our behavior. Because, I mean, that's, that's, they are chemical messengers to get you to act a certain way to try to find homeostasis, to try to get back to balance. So when cortisol levels are chronically elevated, we are driven to bring them down. And what are a few things that we can reach for to bring them, to bring them down? Food is going to be one of them. And it's not any kind of food. So we're going to talk about emotional hunger and then physical hunger. So typically, when you're elevated cortisol levels, you're going to experience some sort of emotional hunger. Emotional hunger comes on very quickly, whereas physical hunger comes on very slowly. And you don't just crave, you, you're not going to crave a potato. You're not going to crave a stock of celery. <laughs> you're not going to crave, you know. Uh, you might if it had some peanut butter and raisins uh, on bingo. it. Bingo. You just said the magic word. So you're going to crave sweet you're going to crave salty and you're going to crave, you're going to crave fatty. They call those are the hyper palatables. And those are also directly linked to a 50% rise in dopamine above baseline levels. I hate to get all geeky on you guys here, but I just want to talk about what's happening in your brain. You experience negative emotion. When those negative emotions are chronic, your cortisol levels rise. An incredible study was done in this, uh, this British study was done around five or 7,000 individuals. And they found that those with chronically high le- uh, elevated levels of cortisol, they were the ones that were constantly reaching for hyperpalatables and they gained weight versus those that were stressed that did not have high levels of cortisol. They actually traced their levels of cortisol and the cortisol was directly correlated to their overeating. So, yes, so they're actually finding the positive relation between the high levels of cortisol triggering the, our need to bring the cortisol levels down. And we do that by wanting to reach for hyper palatables, salty, sweet, fatty foods, because those raise your levels of dopamine and there's a little serotonin release there as well. And it's going to bring you back into a comfort place, a, a much more controlled place. So it's natural. Your body is designed to reach for those foods. So it's like, okay, so what can we do about this? Because we're, it's inevitable. We're going to experience these emotions. 
we're surrounded by, especially nowadays, salty, sweet, fatty foods. You know, we're in the easiest things to get your hand. It is harder to get healthy food. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the few things that we can actually do about this? One of the first things that I've always suggested for people, and I've had the the blessing of working hand in hand with some amazing psychologists, especially with the show and going through transformation of helping these people uh, take these steps to dealing with stress eating. And so the, one of the first things that we do is we create an environment for success. And so if you are prone to stress eating, number one, where do you stress eat? Let's identify that. And I want everyone listening right now to think about where do you typically stress eat? And also, so two, two things I want you to start thinking. You about. mean like in my pantry or? Yes. It could be at your desk. At your desk. It could okay. Be on your couch. It could be in your bed. Maybe you've got a bunch of food stashed under your bed or whatever that might be. It could be in your pantry where you just find yourself mindlessly wandering over the pantry multiple times because you're bored. And all of a sudden you're like. Sounds like my kids. Yeah. You're like, I'm, oh my God, I just found myself in my pantry. This is like the fourth time in the last hour. Which, by the way, I can't wait till you experience this with Cash, where he lives in your pantry. Oh, <laughs> Is he there yet? We're, we're getting there. Yeah, he's about to grow. I know it. Like every every eight minutes, my kids will walk out of their bedroom and get into the pantry. And I'm like, oh, get a drink of water. Yeah, but your kids are also sixteen and fourteen, five eleven, going on six eleven. <laughs> they're 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 growing boys. <laughs> yes. They're growing boys. Anyway, they're gonna be huge, and you're six three, so they're gonna be six five or six six. So, I hope so, man. Bro, just keep your pantry stocked. That's, that's all I you're right. Say. Yes. Keep feeding them. Keep feeding. So, all right. Yes. But for, for all of us out there who are done growing, including myself at a full five foot eight and three quarters. Listen, you're almost <laughs> five nine. Okay. That's With your shoes is. on, you're five nine. I am. I am. So, uh, so yes, identify two things. Where are you stress eating? And what is triggering that? Are you able to identify what that trigger is? Is it a person? Is it a, is it a habit? Is it something from your childhood? Mm, it, is or it your job? Is it your job? Is it boredom? Is it loneliness? What is it? And a lot of times when you find out what that thing is, it might, there might be some emotion that comes up with that. Let me bring up one other thing that's possible. It might be you. Yeah. It might be that you've taken your own self, because then I know this is my story, right? Where you, you kind of forget about yourself for a long time. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you're like, who is this person? Sure. Absolutely. What am I doing now? What yeah. am I, what choices am I making? And then that could result in some stress. Abs, negative self-talk. You may, you, Huge. when you have one of those moments and you start talking negatively to yourself, talk about stress. All right. Absolutely. So, so what do you want people to reach for? Well, the first thing that, that I'm getting that, ahead of myself. You no, know, absolutely. The first thing that we'd always recommend is clearing out that, that, environment for success. And so whatever kind of hyper palatables that you find yourself that are those slippery slope foods, the, the chips, the cookies, the crackers, the, the greasy foods that, you, that you're constantly digging for, if you can get those out of the house, because here's the problem. If they're in the house, you're going to find yourself stressed and you're going to be naturally driven to reach for them. I have yet to encounter anybody who was able to keep those foods in the house, especially early on in the journey. Can you reintroduce them? 100% yes. There is no deprivation or restriction when we're living a healthy long-term lifestyle. It's really important that you're, that you're able to reintroduce some of these things. But early on, when we're trying to tackle this problem, get them out of the house. It's just like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to stop drinking, it doesn't help if you got a six pack in the fridge, you know, and a bottle of Jameson in, in the pantry, right? So you got to get it so out of the house. So funny, man. And that story makes me think of something really quick, if you don't mind. I, I set down alcohol in 2006, and I was at an AA meeting. I didn't last in AA. I didn't really love it, but I was at one of the meetings. Yeah. And a guy said, he stood up and he said, yeah, I keep a 12-pack of beer 
in the back of my truck is my reminder not to drink it anymore. And Oof. the instructor was like, would you keep a snake <laughs> in your bedroom right. with you? Yeah. This, you know, it was like, why would you put the poison that close to you? And, I, and it made me think about this thing. It's like, if you're right. And don't make the excuse, well, it's in here for my kids. Let's find right. different things for them to eat Absolutely. Then. Absolutely. They don't like it. Okay. <clears throat> yes. They'll get used to it. Exactly. And so, so speaking of which, let's talk substitutions. All right. So it's like, look, get the slippery slope foods out. If it's a, if it's a, a, a half gallon of ice cream, get it out of the house. But I'm not saying that you should just get foods that, I'm not going to call them reward foods, but, but at the same time, we just want to be smart about it. So here's what we always recommend. Have foods, like select foods and put them in their house that have a beginning and an end. Like instead of ice cream, grab a popsicle because it has a beginning and an end. And by the time you're down to that wood stick, you're good. You know, you, you, it's a great point. Yeah. Or, or even when it comes to like peanut butter, people have like a massive peanut butter issue. Get the peanut butter out and instead get a big bag of roasted salted peanuts because what's going to happen is that you're by cracking open the shell. And going through that, you're going to be a lot more, you're going to be slower to eat, a lot more mindful when it comes to eating. And so it's like substitute with foods that, that cause mindfulness, that create it. Oh, or, you know, another great nut is like pistachios where you got to oh, crack man, open the do shell. I love that. Yeah. And so you, you select foods with the beginning and an end. So it's like, or, or, or foods that are going to take you a long time to work through. You know, a lot of psychologists still recommend, hey, also while you're going through that, um, perhaps like... Uh, maybe next to dinner to prevent yourself from overeating after dinner. Uh, they'll actually, before dinner, you put like a, you place a piece of a mint gum next to your plate or a hot tea again, because it, it you're not going to sl- uh, slam a hot tea and then go reach for something else. You're going to slowly sip through it and it causes mindfulness. Same thing with mint gum. It, it changes the flavor in your mouth. And so, and mint ruins the flavor of everything else. So little things that you want to do to pre-prepare for this. And again, it does take some time and some effort. But it's a, this is the only way we can create behavior change. And by the way, the, the people who, who actually implement these things, who take the time to be mindful about it, those are the ones that experience success. It's like, oh, I don't want to take the time to put a piece of mint gum on the table. Okay, well, how bad do you really want to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, so like, and again, you know, there's a, there's a neuroscientist that I like to listen to, and he calls it limbic friction. In order to actually make... Um, the neural connections and neuroplasticity in the brain to change behavior, it requires a period of time where you actually have to think about it and put effort into taking these actions. Otherwise, the actions will never change. And so, yeah, guys, it requires some work. So if you're stress eating, yeah, be aware of it. Clean out your environment. Create some substitutions. Identify what it is that's causing you that's got that kind of stress. And when you've actually got those things in front of you, you can control them so much better. Especially if you have a few tools. And I think when we got together and started talking about the concepts for I Needed That, solutions and strategies was a huge piece of this thing. We really wanted to make sure that people didn't just come on and, you know, you shouldn't stress eat and you should choose this and you should choose something else. So we, we, we probably should serve up some great tools for alternative ways to handle stress. Yes. And, and maybe you've heard some of this stuff before, but you know, there's something about being reminded or, or just hearing a different sequence of words. Uh, for me, we talked about it earlier. Meditation is my single, is my go-to tool for yep. just, to, I mean, literally do just about everything in my life. Right. That's my tool. So when I'm really stressed, I say to my family, I need to go have a sit. 
Yes. And then I go do that and I take care of it. What do you do when you're stressed, man? Give me a couple things you do. It's breathing. Actually, that's my biggest thing because, and I know there's a lot of folks out there that could probably, probably relate, but my days are so packed. They're just back to back to back. And so for me, while I probably could go sit and take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for myself, the story in my mind is like, oh, I don't even have 10 to 15 minutes. But what I can do, the lowest point of the, the lowest barrier of entry for myself is I say, I'm going to sit back for one minute and I'm going to take some deep breaths between this meeting. And I bring myself here and now, and I, I do a quick body check in and I actually, I feel the sensations on my body from the top all the way down. So I'll say like, and I do this every single day and it happens between meetings because I'll find myself stress levels coming up. <clears throat> I'll sit back and I do a total body check-in and I feel for any tension on the top of my head and in my face. And I, I I'm aware of that tension. Sometimes I'll even tense it up a little bit. And I, as I focus on my breathing, I release that tension. And then I move down to my shoulders and my arms. I feel any kind of agitation, any stress, any tightness. I take a deep breath and I exhale and I release it. I move down to my chest and my back. Pay attention, be aware of any kind of tightness, stress, deep breath in, release it. I feel my body pressing into my chair and I feel the chair pressing up against my body. And again, it's, it's bringing me here and now. And I just go through all down, down to my toes. And I, as, as I, as I feel that tension and I'm aware of that part of my body, deep breath in and I release it. If you think you don't have time to do this, get to work five minutes early and sit in your car and do this. Dude, it, it is my go-to trick. I get to every meeting 10 minutes early get a couple of minutes just to myself. And yeah. so lots of folks are busy. I, I mean, you know, I do transcendental meditation. I've meditated in airports before with oh, yeah. a thousand noises around me and all the rest of it. So I don't really have a soft spot in my heart for people who are like, I don't have any time to breathe. Right. Like, <laughs> okay, well then let's really look at your life and what you're doing. Get off TikTok for, for, for you know, oh, yeah. a little bit of time. Stop the endless thumb scroll on Instagram. Yep. And I love the body scan. We talked about Navy SEALs on this show. You know, they do that. They do like sequence breathing. Yes. Four, 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 right? Where you yes. breathe in for four, you hold it for four, you release it for four. And if you do that four times, you can literally chill out and 60 seconds. Yes. Yeah. They call it box breathing. It's yeah. so magic and it's so easy and it doesn't have to be foo-foo. It doesn't have to be this spiritual oh. gypsy world. Guys, this, this isn't voodoo. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is as legit as it gets. In fact, they've actually found that uh, breathing like that, you know, there's something they call the physiological sigh that they found is the number one, the fastest way to relieve stress and also to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. Guys, this is measurable stuff. This is the real deal. And it's, again, it's not foo-foo at all. You can take two minutes, not even that, you can do a minute of just breathing exercises like this and legitimately change your physiological state from the inside out. It is powerful stuff. I needed that every week. It's going to be stuff just like this where you really do walk away a better, stronger person. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Is there friend. anything you've left off the table with stress eating? Because if not, I want to end with a couple of fun episodes. Oh, yeah. you know, what the last thing I really want to talk about is just being mindful about the hunger that you're feeling. And I, I, I just touched upon emotional hunger or physical hunger, physical hunger. You're going to know the difference between the two. So anytime that you actually find yourself wanting to reach for something, you maybe migrating to the pantry or reaching for the snack drawer in, in your, in your workspace, whatever you got to stop. And this is one of the most powerful things is you stop and listen to your body. You listen to your stomach and you say, 
Am I physically hungry? And physical hunger, I talked about this earlier, comes on very slowly. It's gradual, but you can feel it. Like in the form of there's going to be hunger pangs, etc. versus emotional hunger. Emotional hunger comes on very quickly, and it's mm-hmm. going to be an immediate craving for sweet, salty, fatty. Okay. So stop and listen for a second because your body's talking to you all day, every day. All right, as we wind down this episode of I Need It at the Podcast, a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about all these different scenarios, things like where did the phrase uh, riding shotgun come from? And you oh, smashed it. Do you these, remember? These are fun. Yeah. You went four for four. That's right. And I have uh, I have four, one, two, three, four new ones here, and we're gonna we're gonna run you through these oh and boy. see how you do. So I'm in the hot seat now. You're in the hot let seat. Let me bro. see if I can think of any uh, any fun ones for you. You don't have to, but if you want to, here you go. All right. Which of the following does the company Lacroix mm. make? Alcohol, seltzer, or lotion? Seltzer. Bingo. Yeah, dude, LaCroix. Every, I mean, that's it got crazy popular also crazy popular. over the past few years. And Unbelievable. It's, oh, all yeah. that's, it's all my wife. That, my, that yellow LaCroix is in our fridge nonstop. Well, and, and it's the, you know what the funniest and the most entertaining part about LaCroix is listening to other people try to pronounce it. Le, Le Crocs? Le Croix? I've never heard <laughs> yeah. anybody or, mess that up. Oh, really? <clears throat> no. Le, Le Croix? Because wouldn't it actually be Le Croix? C-R-O-I-X? I, I don't know French. Is I, it, would it be? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, yo, we should yo, move on. Yo, yo, uh, next question. <laughs> Which scale is an earthquake measured on? Is it the Richter scale, the Beaufort scale, or the Saphir Simpson scale? Oh, Richter scale. Come on, yeah, listen. Yeah, dude. I, I, so I, I grew up in California, and so we, we're very familiar with the Richter scale. If you can get this one, I'm going to be really impressed. Okay. Which of the following is not a group of four? Okay. Yeah, Which of the following go. is not a group of four? Oh boy. The Ghostbusters, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or the Scooby Doo Gang? Scooby Doo Gang. You're right. Yeah. Dude, look at you. You are right smashing now. this. Yeah, because I, I I got Ghostbusters. I got uh, the uh, wait, what was the second? The, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and um, and Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and I don't know. Um, I was never a fan. Oh my gosh, Raphael and Leonardo. Leonardo, yeah, with the swords. So Scooby, I got a story about Scooby Doo, but but we, we can say it me. For story time, dude. So do you remember remember back in like early two thousands, they did a Scooby Doo remake with Freddie Prinze Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And uh, I was going. I do remember that? <laughs> you remember this? Why do I remember that? Yes, and and there is it. So Matthew Lillard. You know who the actor yeah, 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 yeah. He reminds me of you, by the way. Like, you guys a little are bit. so much. Yes. A little bit. And because he's a funny dude, he's tall, like, he's just a cool guy. Anyway, um, we, I was going to ASU at the time, and they were actually, they were always pulling people for like reality shows out of ASU for that kind of stuff. And me and a couple of my buddies got selected to go down to Cancun with Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Geller, Matthew Lillard for this huge Scooby Doo. Um, campaign, marketing campaign for the show. So we actually did a Scooby-Doo, can- it was called Cancun Capers, and it was this huge scavenger hunt for with MTV in Cancun with that whole crew, and they were awesome. How fun is that? It was, it was a great time, good memories, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So. Has that been the neatest part about, you know, just having your life is, is the experiences? Because I know it was for me. I, I mean, 27 years on the radio, the experiences yes. were hands down the most unbelievable part of that thing. 
Yeah. You, you know what I want to do with you? I, I want to actually go through, do you have like a, a bucket list of, of items, things that you've done and things you want to do? Uh, probably I need to fine tune it. It would be fun. I, I I would like to see what you've done. Just, just a quick little checklist item, because I think you, because the thing is you, the experiences that you've gone through, even just you and I speaking about it, you've gleaned so many lessons from those experiences as well. And I think there's some really powerful stuff to share here. I'll even share the not so sexy moments. (laughs) Yeah. All right. It's a great episode. We should do a bucket list episode. Oh, and we have to. Okay. I think it'd be a blast. Final question here. And this is for the whole thing. All right. Which of the following was invented first? Mm. Okay. Which of the following was invented first? Okay. Televisions, radios, or hair dryers? Ooh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hair, uh, radio. I'm going to go radio. What? what? Really? Yeah. Go no, with your okay. gut. Okay, hair dryer. Hair yeah, dryer. because yeah. that's what okay. you wanted to yeah. say, yeah. and that yeah, would was. absolutely make you right, dude. <laughs> would absolutely make you right. Televisions were invented in 27, radios in 1895, the hair dryer in, nine, or in 1888. Wow. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's been a long time coming. Hey, real quick, before we close, I got one trivia question for you. Hit me. Totally different. This is Hit a, me. Here's a geography one. What is the longest river in the world? I'm going to go with the Nile. Bingo. You is that got right? It. Yeah. You Come go. on, yeah, man. Buddy. Look at us. We are trivia kings. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's got to be the 80s music. Yes. It's got to be the 80s music, How man. can you not have a good day when it's starting out like this? Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of I Needed That. Unbelievably, we are back next week with our first video episode and episode number 10. 10. 10 in the books. You ready? Let's go. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time right here on I Needed That.